Uh, hey, Stephen. Hey. <laughs> you doing all right? Wait, is, is the show started? Yeah, no, no we're, we're on. Not. This is it. He'll hit the button. <laughs> He'll just hit the button and we're ready to go. It is recording, but this is just a pre... This is a pre... Preamble. How's the weather? <laughs> the, the weather is uh, fantastic where I am. We had a bunch of snow last week and now it's all melting, but... I'm far away from Texas where all the crazy mm. stuff in the U.S. was happening with the cold yeah. weather. So they froze, at first yeah. they got down wind turbines. Texas? Ted Cruz got oh, out of there. Shout out, to, shout out to Ted. <laughs> shout out to Ted trying, trying to sneak out on the low. It's so weird that people in Australia know who Ted Cruz is because we know who Ted Cruz yeah. is. Why? We can, Why we can relate. He was because he was a 2016. Republican presidential candidate. I just, I just know most I, people I don't in even... America don't know the <laughs> candidates. How do we know Ted Cruz? That's a good question. How how do we know Ted Cruz? Like we just know because that. Um, it reminds me of the you wouldn't have seen this, but maybe Dom, you have. Um, but there's a show in TV. There's an Australian. I wouldn't say satirical, but it's like a sort of a cra- It's a crazy law. TV comedy crime thing starring um, Richard Roxburgh called Rake, and it went for about four seasons. Yep. They and did the American scene, remake of it. No, did they? They did. I, they did. I, yeah, I know. I, I remember. Ah, it's got um, okay. some guy in it, Greg somebody. Some guy. There's um, there's a scene in that where um, uh, where the which is just funny because it's quite like it's a great Ospol joke, right? And it's like. The guy, one of the main characters, because it's like the, it's one of the main characters, one of the main women moves on, and like then her next relationship is this guy who happens to be the leader of the opposition in New South Wales, and there's this scene like that's at the bottom of, it's like he's at the bottom of the mall, the mall, but you know, uh, what's it called, Martin Place. Mm-hmm. It's like in Martin Place in Sydney, which is like. It goes a few streets mm. down Sydney. There's a bunch of like Channel Seven Studios is there on the mm. corner, right? Yeah, and the um, fountain and where they like, shot the Matrix. Yeah, the fountain where they shot the Matrix, right? More famously used in that film, yeah. Uh, not some Australian TV show, but there's a scene where he's there, and it's like th- they're having this existential conversation about him, and he's like, you know, she leaves, and he's like, "Does anyone know who I am? The leader of the opposition?" And no one gives. And the joke is like, no one gives a fuck because no one knows who the fuck he is. <laughs> And I guess, I guess, like, that's kind of like Ted Cruz. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> and welcome to Downtown Critics of Down and Christmas in Down February Down. special. <laughs> I love welcome. opening up with three minutes of politics. <laughs> Ding dong, merrily on high. It's that time of year again where we um, hate celebrating Christmas at its pre-designated time. We're not about it. We prefer to enjoy the comforts and spirit of Christmas two months after the fact. We don't like playing by the rules because I feel I feel like we have to just we have to let Christmas sit with us for a bit. Yeah, Christmas Otherwise, is, is just, exhausting. Otherwise, it feels like it's hot takes. Yeah, like you know, we jump in if we do Christmas on the twenty fifth or around Christmas yeah. in December. It's like well. Yeah, but it, it, it's all happening. You know, it's all happening right there. We need to, we need to sit with it and, exactly and process that shit. You know, we need to understand what's going on. Everybody wants to talk about the same like three movies at Christmas. You know, everybody wants to talk about Die Hard or Home Alone One or It's a Wonderful Life or whatever. 
No one. Really, I know, right? I think February no really puts us in the that. the nice position to to sort of pick something that is emblematic of what Christmas really is. You know, really is about. Yeah. Let's say the B sides of Christmas, yeah. or not the B sides, but you know when you go on Apple Music and like everyone has a fucking essentials playlist, but not everyone has a next steps, and that's what we're all about, mm. baby. We're about those Christmas next steps, or even better, deep cuts. Speaking of deep cuts. Welcome this week, guest on the show, Stephen Van Elk from the Wedding Photo Hangover Podcast. <laughs> Notorious deep Thank cut. Thank you, Morgan. <laughs> deep cutting his snow in the front yard. So <laughs> glad to be here. How's that snow being deep cut? <laughs> um, it's great. I spent maybe 12 hours last week shoveling my driveway, So, and it's only like 20 feet, so <laughs> it's fantastic. <laughs> What's that in meters, 20 feet? What's that <laughs> like? Metric, please. <laughs> Sorry. Ooh, what's yeah. the temp there um, by the way by the way we got what, 400 degrees fahrenheit or something like what is that jeez <laughs> and it's, and it's cold it's, it's 200 cold. celsius that's cooking temperature <laughs> it's cold it's got us the you know, you know i just spent four years with the worst president in in the history <laughs> of my country you asked me to come on your podcast yeah. <laughs> only to make me watch a movie that that terrible president is in. Yeah. I thought, you know, I'm done with this. And now to make it even worse, now that I'm here with you, you're just like making fun of America. You know, the exit is just, the exit is just down there on your left. You know? I mean, I mean, we didn't, you know, we've been, it's, sorry to let you in on a little hint, Stephen, but we've been bullying America for the past four years mercilessly. I thought you guys were like secretly in love with America. I thought that's what this was really about. Oh, that's you what know? that's what that's uh, look. America is like Australia's first, like uh, the first woman we fell in love with, or oh, man, um, that we broke up with horrendously. Where it's like we, oh, as much <laughs> as we got to keep the front on, like yeah, we, we forget about that. We we just we miss keep you with and just we're, we're always thinking of you, even though we're always now we over it. We're we're over it. It's we're over it. It's fine. We're over it, guys. It helps we're us escape it. from we're our own over problems. It. We're not over it. It helps us escape from our own problems, from our own failing <laughs> political system. In cases, you know what I'm saying. You're an easy scapegoat. I mean you. I mean you wondered why. You wonder why we know who Ted Cruz is. I mean, like we do know what, like we fo- we follow America, like America, Australians following America is like, I don't know, it's like, it's like we follow it like we follow the sport. We, we know, everyone follows America. We're all into America. We all check into America. We listen to podcast America. <laughs> we read America news America. We t- we talked about the Ted Cruz incident earlier about him fleeing Texas in the middle of emergency. <laughs> How many people remember the fact that our prime minister? Scott Morrison did the exact same thing last year during our horrendous bushfire season. Fucked off to Hawaii for a week. See, he got there. He got there and like had time to sit. You at least caught Ted Cruz right out the door. Like, come on, bro. You got to get back here. There are photos of him at the airport. (laughs) How dumb do you have to be? Like, he should have... Everybody's wearing masks. He could have just worn a mask that would have covered his face, but no, no face, no case. It's, it's goddamn. He fell for he fell for trick one. Boy, it's like, come man. on, you've seen the Avengers movies, Ted Cruz. I assume, like, put a hat on and nobody can recognize you. It's that simple. 
Exactly. See my blue, for, for those who might may or may not see a video clip of this, if Dom gets his shit together and puts it on YouTube. Wow. Yeah, wow. Well, wow. <laughs> Where has that ever been? My, whoa. I'm wearing my favorite. I'm wearing my favorite. Look at me. I'm Chris Evans blue baseball cap. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, <laughs> it, it does. Just you wear a hoodie, you wear a cap, hide in an Apple store. Mm. It's which Rich Russo brother are you? <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Do you think they'll ever make a Christmas uh, movie? No. What would a Russo brother's Christmas movie know. look like? Um, I feel like it'd look exactly like one I, of those I, Law and Order episodes set at Christmas. That's just not. <laughs> it's just a normal episode of Law and Order, except they just have a like a Christmas music sting in the intro. <laughs> Christmas with the Russos. Just a Christmas. <laughs> the Russo Brothers. Christmas with What are their names? Um Craig? Uh yeah, Craig. Craig. That sounds anyway, um Anthony. We didn't come here, we didn't come here to fuck spiders. All talk about the Russo brothers. Yeah, um fuck them, they didn't make Did you see how I love like I actually forgot I actually forgot there's a truck going by. I actually forgot that Trump was in this film until <laughs> people were tweeting about how how tweet people were tweeting about how he got in quick and like <laughs> rescinded his membership of the Screen Actors yeah. Guild. Yeah, <laughs> that was for what, what, for what like one one little line of dialogue. Is that yep. it? I mean, I don't. Where's been? That, I mean, you. What's the there? There's rules about SAG card stuff. Yeah, so long as you have a line in any sort of any sort of speaking role in anything from a commercial to a film, you need to sign up for SAG. Right. And I only know <laughs> that because it's mentioned in the Disaster Artist book. Shout out to me. I'm not a SAG <laughs> member. And even if I was, I would not quit before they fired me. I would go down with the ship. I'm so glad. I'm so glad. Uh, look, as as far as incongruous starts to podca- this podcast go, I mean, like you know, it, this has got to be up there. Yeah. Anyway, we we Stephen, mentioned Home Alone at least in the first ten minutes. We are. Do you enjoy this film? Home Alone two. Oh, we're talking about Home Alone. We're talking about Home Alone, Home Alone. two specifically. Two. Uh, yeah. Now you me- watched Home Alone two, right? I was. Um, I d- I watched it. Did you watch it, Morgan? We watched it. I watched it. I finished watching it about 40 because minutes. Because I remember <laughs> having you guys on my podcast to talk about a movie. Mm-hmm. And neither one of you watched the movie. <laughs> neither, well, neither one of us watched the entire movie. It was, um, <laughs> it was, look, it was May. It was a dark time. It was, uh, you know, the world was, <laughs> the world was a little weird. Sometimes yeah, you, you don't know who Ted Cruz someone, was. He can't make it through. Vince Vaughn and Owen Wilson just fucking. I'm pretty sure that was a solid five minutes of runtime of just them fucking. And it was like, I'm good. (laughs) Yeah, I think I'm good. I'm good with that. But we did watch all of this. And I'm I'm glad. I I feel like we do have to come back. We have to, we have to show some respects on our, whenever, if we're ever allowed back on wedding photo hangover, uh, we'll need to show our respect and watch the entire <laughs> film and um, bury the hatchet. But well, you very we'll kindly ten percent more, at least ten percent more of the film. You don't have to watch the entire film of Wedding Crashers ever. Watching that again for when you guys were supposed to come on and be the experts and talk to us about that, um, I realized 
how incredibly problematic it is and why I've never was, watched it in like the last 10 so years bad. since it came out. It film. was uh, it was a rough watch. It was real, real rough. Unlike mm. Home Alone 2, Lost <laughs> in New York, which was just, you know, chef's kiss, everything except for the Trump scene. You know, Silky just smooth. beautiful all around. Mm-hmm. Well, then let's 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 just dive into it. How do we I I was uh, non-existent when this film first came out in 1991. <laughs> Morgan, how old were you? Stephen? I was four years old. Stephen? Um, <laughs> you want me to tell you guys how old I am? This I is, mean, no, but weird. did you when uh, when did you see it or first I was, time? I was born in 84. I saw it in the theaters. So seven, eight, somewhere in there. Nice. I don't know when uh, in the year it came out, but I was I was old enough that like I have memories of watching it with my family. Wow. So your peak your peak Home Alone two age, like yeah, sweet like right in that sweet core spot. audience. My son Ian, he's ten right now, same age as Kevin McAllister in Home Alone two Lost in New York. He when I was like, do you want to come downstairs and watch the rest of this movie with me? what you called your favorite movie two years ago when you were eight, he said, no, I'm playing Fortnite. Please leave me alone. <laughs> game up, game up, game up, game up. My daughter, my daughter, Nora, she came down and watched the rest of it with me and laughed incredibly hard all throughout the parts with, you know, every once in a while she'd laugh really hard. And then she'd look at me and go, Dad, are they dead? <laughs> I've joked for years that 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 uh, the people who uh, uh, dis like uh, disown the fact of Die Hard being a Christmas movie yet charm like love Home Alone. I I love saying you know the only difference in those two movies in terms of the themes are the same, the heart is the same. One just has actual murder, like one just has confirmable murder. The other one is like he's mm. he's fine. You see, he took three staples. To the... It's terrifying. <laughs> three staples. Three. Sa- the, I mean, the bricks. You know, <laughs> that... ouch. The it's this. It's the bit at the door that always gets me because it's just. You think you'd learn your lesson after one? My staple. daughter did not understand. Yeah. <laughs> Let my alone. daughter did not understand what was going on with the staples at all. Like that was just completely foreign to her. She's like, what is happening to him right now? But yeah. she was still laughing, but she's also questioning. Yeah. I don't think it's very clear to children what a nail gun is. No, so. no. Well, they've no, never had it's to not see something one. that's uncommon. No, but also like you can see that. Yeah. But there's a close up shot of a thing that she has clearly seen that has do- given pain to this person. On his nuts, like the front of his pants. Mm-hmm. I mean, kind of. Come on, come on, get her up to uh, speed. You Steve. see it happen. <laughs> she didn't really get it though until the nose one, where like you see the okay, close-up fair, shot fair and enough. it like goes both sides of his nose, and then later he pulls it off. And they're so they're so vicious, but you always forget. That's like the thing everybody jumps to when they're like, "Oh, Home Alone." It's the Christmas movie where we just where we beat robbers. You never, I always, Mm. it always, it's really nice whenever I put on a Home Alone movie of which before today, I'd only ever seen the first two and just being like, there's such a nice buildup of being with this kid, him sort of shedding that, 
Like what your son said to you. Sorry, dad, I don't want to watch Home Alone. I'm going to go play Fortnite is the exact perfect setup for a Home Alone movie where he locks himself in the, the in his room to play Fortnite while you all go on holiday. And then he's got to put that, he's got to put that Fortnite knowledge to the test. I've, if there's a modern reboot of Home Alone incoming. No, this is why we've got to celebrate Christmas in February on this podcast because you just you just don't get insight like that, you know, during the actual holiday season when when everyone actually loves each other and feelings are high. No, you want the real, you want real life. Like, no, fuck off, Dad. I'm playing Fortnite. Like this, <laughs> Christmas spirit comes as this. The I'm glad. I'm glad this podcast is now dovetailed into Steve's children hate him. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, going to be the name of the episode. I, <laughs> only one of them. That's Fortnite. You know, it's like how you say no to Fortnite. <laughs> this, this the po- t- title of this podcast is going to be Steve Van Elk does a Ted Cruz on his kids. <laughs> <laughs> As I say, Morgan, you pop. so your memory goes back that far with Ted Cruz. You remember when he tried to like kiss his daughter and she just like oh, turned her d- face oh, the other d- way. No, I, <laughs> he, he I just mean that. I just mean leave. I just mean he leave did the that. house. <laughs> he did that. Oh damn! Yeah, it was, it was the first time he was right. Anyway, he like it was it was awkward, man. It was real awkward. Ooh. It was like one of those Ooh. supposed to be one of those sweet father daughter moments, uh, and she's like, nope, no. It's, it's like, like all those photos of ba- you, Ted. It's like all those photos of Baron Trump at like the inauguration in 2016, where he's just got that super blank expression, where he's clearly like, I just I just want to be back in my room, listening. I just want to be playing Fortnite. Playing Fortnite. Um, this. This film, I think I texted you last night when I started to watch it, and I I, I watched this in, in a split. Like, I, I watched most of it last night and then finished it this morning because I wanted to sit in my room and play Call of Duty. <laughs> um, I think I sense a theme here. It's the old school version of Fortnite, Call of Duty. Go away, Dad. Gaming in all ages. <laughs> the other guy wants to come out, you know. <laughs> Um, so, so the, this film, I, I, I texted you as it opened and I was just like, oh God, why have, why have we done this yet again on this podcast? The film opens and I go, oh fuck, we've made a terrible mistake. But <laughs> this, this is just, and then, and then it was fine. And I was just like, largely it was like enjoying, enjoying this film. This film, I feel is so emblematic of nineties filmmaking. It has, so, it just ticks all the boxes um, aspirational. F- my first question is why, as you, as in, as with the last film, is why do they all live in the same fucking house? Like, what is going on with this? Why do they all? Why are they all there? What's going on? I think they're just like, co- like just communing before they leave on their big family trip. You know? Yeah. I mean, we've also done things like that, mm-hmm. but I also wonder, like, it's just like there's not much. There's not many of those. I wonder, I'm so surprised at how many of those characters, like the kids and the uncle has like three lines in the film. And the only other family member other than Kevin's parents is Buzz, who his his big brother, who's like douchebag. Uh, in fact, I was going to say like we are, I think America, talking about America and our relationship, I reckon America is our Buzz to Australia's Kevin McAllister. <laughs> we are Kevin. <laughs> You are Buzz. You are the douchebag. 
who who wow. pokes his candles in areas during the Christmas concert. Anyway, aside that's, from that, it's so that's wild that it's so every parent. We're just going to leave that. Sorry, that's just <laughs> wild that every parent in the audience found that light behind the ears thing so funny. Like so they that. lost like, their you're all shit trash. collectively. I was just that was why I texted you and I was like, "This is so I hate this." Like all of these parents are fuckheads. Like, <laughs> just love your kids and go to that Christmas concert and shut the fuck up, please. No, no, we've got to laugh at the at the at the bully. No, you're all trash. Go ahead, go to hell, parents. Except except Catherine O'Hara. Dom's offline. Well, the room will keep going and Dom will pop back in. It's it's going to work. What did you think about that, Stephen? Uh, similar, similar feeling to what you just expressed when I saw that happen. I was just like, wow, these, the entire family is garbage, just the entire family. And I remember just thinking like when I was younger, like, oh, it's so sad that he's not with his family or whatever. But like looking back, it's like, really? Maybe this is good for him. Cause like everyone is toxic (laughs) in that entire family. The worst of all is his uncle Frank. Who's the worst. Yeah. And, like, no, nobody ever says, like, hey, Uncle Frank, like, maybe you shouldn't say these things to a 10-year-old boy. Like, <laughs> maybe mm. you should be kind. Maybe you should be nice. Maybe you should be the grown-up in this situation. They're just like, nah, he gets a pass. It's No, he so does crazy. get a pass. Kevin just gets, like, everyone always blames Kevin for anything. Like, everything, every single thing in these, in both these films that happen to him, everyone's like, it's Kevin's fault. I'm like, he's 10. He can't regulate his emotions like you, a 30-plus-year-old person, should be able to do. Get in the fucking bin. Uncle Frank. What's his name? Uncle in the shower. Uncle Shitlord. Uncle Frank. Uncle Frank. Yeah. <laughs> Shitlord's probably a better name. It's, 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 it's not canon, but, you know, we could, we could all refer to that. Uh, the yeah, fact that he's left in the airport, it's like, no, that's your job to, like, hold your child's hand yeah. and make sure that everyone's like, – the amount of touch – of course, it's all set up for the film. Like, of course, mm-hmm. this film is ridiculous, and that's the entire premise of the film. But just the, the fact that they then blame him for making the mistake. Mm-hmm. Like, I no. Mean, if if we want to talk about the whole losing thing, like, that's the point for me where the the film just leaves reality. And not just the second film, but the first film, too. Because I am the middle child of five children in my family. And I can tell you something. The baby of the family is never the one that gets left behind or lost, ever. It's <laughs> the middle child. I was yep. lost in the Museum of Science and Industry in Chicago <laughs> for, like, two hours. And my parents <laughs> didn't realize it. When I went to like the security guard and they did like one of those calls over the loudspeakers, I was crying so hard because I couldn't find my family that they couldn't understand my name was Steven. And they said, there's a young boy named Nathan looking for his family. (laughs) And it was when my parents heard that and they said, oh, I bet that's our son. And they looked around and didn't see me. And that's when they went to look for me. (laughs) Meanwhile, there's some mom on the other side of the the the. The museum going, where's my Nathan? That's that's really funny. It's true. So the whole idea that like the baby is lost is just insane. Because like the baby is the one that the mom's going to be like holding his hand, carrying him everywhere the entire time. So Totally. I'm so glad we invited you on this podcast. (laughs) I didn't know that part, that story. And like that just makes this perfect. Because I just thought, let's get Stephen on because, you know, we like him. (laughs) And... 
and you're an American and we're watching this American film and, and it's also a Christmas and there's snow and you just had snow and you've got snow. And so I'm like, cool, let's, let's, you know, let's get, let's get a guy who's on the inside. Let's get a guy. Little did we know that we have the parody of the parody of a childhood trauma story that works so perfectly. I really thought Morgan was going to say, I really thought Morgan was going to say, I'm so glad we invited Stephen. I knew he got lost at some point. That's... Perhaps in New York, but we'll take like Chicago. The sort of child wander off. Just <laughs> mining that childhood trauma for sweet, sweet content, baby. Oh, <laughs> Let's go. Yeah. Back to what you were saying about sort of Kevin's relationship with the family. It's like in in one specifically, we're talking about two, but in one specifically, you can like sort of buy how angsty he is because he's like he's being a shit like that night before they leave, and and his mom's yeah, like, he is "Come being on, a dick you gotta be, start. you gotta like, be fair." But then in the second one, he's this is literally the one where Kevin does nothing wrong. He's just like they bullied me at the at the at the thing. Yeah, I probably shouldn't have punched him and collapsed the 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 whatchamacallit, the poor grandmother at the piano. That was a bit yep. bit much. I pay that. But like <laughs> he yeah, he was just like, I'm here at the airport, I'm gonna be here. Please don't forget me. Um I forget what what it, why does he stop, which leads to the him chasing the man in the same outfit as his father. I because he needs to put batteries. He needs to put batteries. He 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 has to stop running because he can't run and put batteries in his voice recorder at the same time. Yeah. So really, really, what really what this film the the crux of where this film actually goes wrong, and while well, the premise of him being lost and getting on the wrong plane is because Kevin McAllister cares more about podcasting than his family. And look, that's, is that not true of all of us? Thinking I mean, about that sweet, sweet content, baby. He's got Making the content. Got it on the brain. <laughs> oh, boy. He gets to Bad New York. Bad guys saying they want to kill me. <laughs> I got to keep this on me just in case I run up on Joe Pesci again and just to make sure everybody knows what's happening. Just in case. Just, in, Just case. in case. If I get I separated if again, they're going to want to hear it. I I mean, anyway, so we've established that this film leaves, this film relies on yeah. the suspension of disbelief relatively early on, in, but perhaps not as early as the last one. In Well, speaking of the last one, the main question I want to posit to both of you is just, this is one of those sequels where it's the same movie it, mm-hmm. on its fundamental mm-hmm. level like beat by beat but i feel like every beat is just done better here like they repeat it's so many human. jokes they repeat um the 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 obviously the mother shouting kevin um angels with even filthier souls and using the audio of that to <laughs> trick character who gets a replay thinks- but like I feel like all yeah. of those bits I, 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 are done better. Uh, a character who a character who he thinks initially is really scary, but turns out to be mm-hmm. the savior. That sweet, the the, the sweet, uh, lonely yeah. pigeon woman. And it's they all... moved it from Chicago to New York, which is a better city. So mm-hmm. it just all makes Sorry, sense. The, the 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 wet bandits who are now the sticky bandits make a few better plays <laughs> like the bit where they sort of catch him in the street and then Kevin McAllister sexually assaults a woman to trick her into punching Just quality his two assailants. That's, 
That's lit. Who is she? I should have I should have remembered to look this up in the credits because I feel like she is like is she like an emblematic of a of a nineties like a nineties hot blonde? Like was she a model or something? Um, or I can is pull she, up IMDb she just right a bit actor in this film? But yeah, how I do just you guys... remember her face and I'm like, who's she? She was in, I feel like she was in like Maybelline commercials in the 90s. <laughs> I will look that up. Like, but while I look that up, yeah. yeah. How did you guys feel about sort of the, the the obviously it's it's mean to say remake, but just how do you feel about the general beat progression in this one? Perfect. It's, it's perfect because you get like the whole setup in New York and it really spends a lot of time like introducing Kevin to New York and giving you a lot of time to fall in love with New York, which is really the greatest city in the world. I think we could all agree. Basically, according to you, I, I've not <laughs> been there. I've, I, I, I visited a magical city called Brisbane this summer and um, I'm a fan <laughs> Uh, yeah, Central Park is cool and all, but South Bank? Ooh. I mean, yeah. I'm just looking at like New York the... is cool, but have you have you escorted Dom Fitzgerald on a romantic walk along the South Bank, the boulevard, and seen Brisbane, <sighs> Brisbane River by night? His mm. baby. It's pretty good. <laughs> it was magical. You should come. You should come to Brisbane. Right after the high energy of a of a cricket, of a T twenty cricket game. Woo! That was a magical just, night. Everything was every- Everything was there. It's deep lore for our night. podcast now. Um, <laughs> Wait, something may have happened did, between did, us on that night this... that we'll have to keep fake alluding to. <laughs> I I do I do want to go back to the fact that this the the that is so like it this is ticking all the boxes of nineties aspirational white American filmmaking. Um the the family, there's a huge house, uh, and they just vacation to Florida. Yeah. And that you know there is that family member in New York that they could go and see, but of course no, they're on holiday in Paris and they're renovating their West Fifty First Street, you know, townhouse, which is a fucking mansion. Like, yes. oh my gosh! Like, no, 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 this is not normal people. And the fact that this is just like every single American film of this. Uh, I ilk. mean, look at the McAllisters' house, like in the first one. It's ridiculous it's huge and they live in chicago chicago is like a little bit bigger than brisbane like just it's a huge city and to think you could own a house that size in a city like that like you have to be incredibly wealthy mm. it's just ridiculous is there is there canon that's about what the, the McAllister parents just, do? here's a family like is there is there is there lore about what the McAllister no, parents do to earn this kind of wealth no, but but in not pay attention to their children. This film, <laughs> yeah, but in nineteen, they, they, they fuck a lot. This nineteen ninety two. Let's just pay attention to the fact that his dad has a camcorder, mm. so like they've got to have that sort of dollars, like because that shit wasn't cheap in nineteen ninety two. Actually, you know what a great comparison mm. is the fact that Uncle Shitlord says in the very beginning, "Your dad is putting up a lot of money for this trip." And then they get mm. to Florida. They show like them in their little abode in Florida, like their hotel. And I'm not sure if that's where they were meant to be staying the whole time or not. But it seems like some fairly like A grade motel. No, there's a line in there that also that that then actually contradicts that line from Uncle Frank saying that he put up a lot of money because someone says to him, I think like his wife says to him, 
something i i have to go back and check because i forget but like i think i remember hearing something like oh you know why'd you go for the cheap rates or something you you cheaped out on us and i'm just like hang on just okay i know this is a film about like a kid you know a kid um yippee-ki-yaying on a bunch of fucking mobsters and and the hijinks (laughs) that ensue but can we get some continuity about where the funds for this holiday came from? Because it's very confusing for like the cinephiles in the audience. Like we want to know, we, we just need the law to be consistent, please. Well, I think like, the only we thing we can see there is that Mr. McAllister has obviously, you know, gone through some setbacks at work. Cause the first movie they're going to Paris on vacation and the second they movie they're going to Florida on vacation. Florida is not even, you know, the Paris of America, you know? So <laughs> They've obviously run into some financial trouble. Meanwhile, his brother's going to Kevin Paris. Gets to go, well, Kevin gets to go to New York, which I would argue is the Paris of America. Yeah. So, you know, maybe that's what they're trying to say. They're trying to say, you know what, you fucked up at work. But guess what? Kevin by accident gets to go to New York instead the Paris of America. And uh, he, you know, with your wallet and your envelope of cash... I mean, it's just on your dime. Ah, uh, this film, this film. A lot of, a lot of just general wish fulfillment, both for like. Again, I think that's the aspect. Knowing that the 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 two main audiences of any Home Alone film are the children and the parents who have to take them to see it. I think it may perfectly hit those. Get the parents in. Obviously, every parents can relate to having to take their kids on holiday them wanting to go on holiday, but all the panic and fuss to sort of get there. And then obviously the kids who are like, bro, what consequences? I'm just going to hop a plane to New York and see what happens. <laughs> pull up at the, pull Whatever, up at the man. Bay Plaza. Is it, it's not a Trump hotel, is it? It's just it. a, he's just there in the lobby fucking around. Just there in the lobby. Yeah. Just, just yeah. who decided to have him? Who, who made he that did. call? Like who, who said he did. Did he just say, I've got to he be in the He probably was like, you're filming I'm here, this thing in New York. I'm in the city. They're, they're filming in one of my establishments. We're going to. You know what? He didn't sound like that in the 90s. No, because the cocaine. He, he's gotten worse. Hasn't blocked his nasals as much. This was, this was <laughs> not as much. Not as much. He's gotten older. The voice sags. But back in 92, 91. I love that the voice, the voice sags. And I will also leave. No, I'm back. Sag. I'm back. <laughs> this was here all on my end. You'll see in the recording. I'm dipping. The Wi-Fi here Dom, is, your is Trump horrible. Impression's very good. That's pretty good. The yeah, Wi-Fi. The, good for a boy from Newey. I missed. I missed the White House Wi-Fi. It was top notch, A class. The Mar-a-Lago Wi-Fi here. It's terrible. Can't get it. Um. Yeah. Is I assume he just Mar-a-Lago? like. Surely there was some. He knew a producer. Or, or the producers knew him. He had a dinner with John Hughes or Chris Columbus or whoever. <laughs> and was just like, God, can we talk about Chris Columbus? Mm. Yes, we this have to. This is just like, this is, we have to talk about Chris Columbus. Mm. Um, and, and, and it's going again to aspirational 90s filmmaking, especially involving New York. The crane work in this, there's some crane work in this film that's pretty good. And in fact, you know what? The helicopter shots in this film like him on top of the whoa, there's just can we talk about the world fucking trade mm. center for a second? Holy mm. shit. The, the the camera the, the the helicopter tracking shot of him coming mm. up. Have you seen the film Man on Wire about the 
um, about the uh, yeah um, the, the French tightrope walker yeah. guy who 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 walked across them. I, oh my god! Like I, I haven't seen the doc. See I haven't film. seen the documentary Men on Wire. I've seen the um the the, the Robert Zemeckis the fictional version of it starring Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Okay. Okay, cool. Um, but you know, the doco mm. anyway, Better. it's great, but I was just thinking of that and the, that helicopter tracking shot coming out of there. I'm like, that's tight. Gorgeous. Like what the, in fact, the, the screenshot, the, the screenshot, the photo I sent you last night when I started watching it just so happens, just so happens to be that bit on the frame where they're introducing the, the crew. And the guy's name, director of photography, Julio Macat, M-A-C-A-T, or Macat, Macat. Man, well done. 1992, baby. Like, claps in the chat. Clap, clap, clap. Well done. Golf claps for your boy. <laughs> it's good. It's great. It's a great look. The whole film, the whole film looks great, which is... It's beautifully colored as well. Mm. Even yeah, in those like film stock, even in those like then. dark areas, like like the sets, like the the any anything to do with the pigeon woman, you know, had that nice yeah. mood lighting, um, the skin tone and the lighting mm. on that, just so beautifully soft and and yeah, and her little her little abode above, I guess it's Carnegie Hall or maybe it's like Madison Square, what is it? Is I don't it think Carnegie it's the Hall. Garden, I guess it's Carnegie it's, Hall. It's Carnegie Hall, I yeah. assume, some concert hall, some 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 concert, some fucking place. <laughs> wait, wait. I watched I watched this last year with my son back, you know, before he was all into Fortnite and fuck yeah, off before dad. Fortnite. Um yeah. And uh <laughs> afterwards we started watching the Harry Potter movies mm-hmm. and it was just like striking the similarities between totally. those first like three Harry Potter movies yeah. and Cuz he did those. Yeah. Yeah, he did was it the first two or the first three? Uh, first two Alfonso. Okay. First two. Alfonso Cuarón did, oh, yeah, did the, three. The third but, um, one's the yeah. really bad one. Isn't that the one everybody loves? I don't know. We're not. Are we Harry Potter fans here? Did, did we... you just hang on? Did you just say the Prisoner of Azkaban's the bad one? The the third one? Yeah. All right, you can get the fuck off my podcast. <laughs> okay. Whoa, whoa, whoa. whoa. This is why I'm against Harry Potter in general. It finds a way to bring up controversy. <laughs> it finds a way. Whether you're talking about the movies or friends. somebody who made them, there's controversy involved. Enough of that. I think we've just identified the teaser clip, the stinger clip. We're going to do the video for this set. <laughs> That's like, that moment. That's great. Fuck. But Chris Columbus, <laughs> I, and I and I find this so fascinating because while we're talking about Christopher Columbus and Christmas movies, the real Christmas that just passed, I saw for some reason the sequel to the Christmas Chronicles, the Christmas Chronicles two, starring Kurt Russell as Santa Claus. <laughs> directed by christopher columbus that was his that that's his most recent picture and i just think to myself he strikes me as a kind of guy who just makes stuff he just makes a lot of stuff he just he just works and sometimes it's like great like sometimes like his work on harry potter here the look of it is great the feel of it is great it never like it never like looks shoddy even when something like pixels or Or uh, let, let's say uh, the Christmas Chronicles two. Um, it never looks like shoddy. It just it's oh, did either he a script direct, did he direct pixels or a, yeah he directed pixels. He also, yeah, okay. uh, but he Oof. he's a guy that can just he's a very functional director, which I always appreciate. And an even yeah. uh, more functional this writer. Film, this film, 
I think for a for a kids for a film directed at not at kids but at specifically parents taking their kids and probably some other fuckheads kids to the theaters to watch this yeah like this this and for the fact that we could still kind of put this on at christmas and kids will be like actually you know what i felt very uncomfortable in the angels what's the film angels angels with um <laughs> filthy souls with filthy Merry souls christmas, yeah. and like Harry had just come out. Like I'd put Harry to bed and then he came out and watched some of it with, with me. Mm. And like, he saw that scene and I'm like, Oh, this is, Oh, this is rough. Just a bit of, just a bit of like literally a guy in a tuxedo gunning down a woman for, for making out with, well, for, 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 for zero excuse, but, and all his reasoning is that she made out with some other dudes. He's a few Bruh, years off Die Hard rough. yet. Oh. He's a few years off Die Hard yet. I'd rather him watch Die Hard. <laughs> Die Hard's fine. Die Hard is everything is justified. Okay. <laughs> like, now they don't gun women I'm down like, in Die oh, Hard good. for sexual liberty. No women. No, no women like, get gunned down. No, no, hey, no women get gunned down in no Die women. Hard. It's fine. All the bad guys die. And John McClane. Brucey saves the day. I'll say it. John McClane's a feminist. I'll say it. I'll say it. <laughs> I'll say it. He, he shows nothing but respect to the two women he talks to in the film. Actually, no three. He's a bit he's a bit wordy with the with the with the female taking the, the N wakes. No shit, ladies that sound like a mortar of pizzas. Maybe a little maybe a little aggressive, but circumstances given, we can let us <laughs> look. Here's the thing that I'm so glad that it's taken us 43 minutes and 35 seconds to discover that is Home Alone 2 more problematic than Die Hard? <laughs> I guess. I'll say it. I'll say yes. it. Trump, filthy, you filthy animal. I mean, yeah, all you had to do is say Trump. So. Yeah, Trump's not in Die Hard. But speaking of but Die Hard. But here's the thing. They constructed, they constructed a film that, you know, over 30 years later. Is it over 30 years? Let me, let me think. Uh, no, 30, 29. 29 years later, uh, basically or basically my entire lifetime later, that you could still pop this on and be like, you know what, this is a very functional film that sets out to, that achieves what it sets out to do mm-hmm. in the Dominic Fitzgerald school of judging film. That is the school of perfect cinema. That is the Fitzgerald rule of cinema quality. If you, mm-hmm. if you completely achieve what you set out to achieve in a film, you may be deemed perfect. Uh, Films that follow this rule. Uh, Pacific Rim. Uh, that's that's the only one. That's that's the that's only it. one that comes that's to the list. That's, 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 that's the only one I have to argue for. That's the one where I have to go, bro, I fucking I love Pacific Rim. And they're like, why? It's a robot monster movie. I'm like, hold listen. I'm a that's that's it. That's why. I'ma tell you what Pacific Rim is about. Chris I, I say anyway, Chris Columbus and this film. Mm. Stephen Van Elk, now, someone who actually lives in snow. <laughs> now, hold this. I'm taking the wheel here. I'm taking the wheel. Everyone buckle up. Okay. Because so, uh, I'm about right. to say some oh, words. Jesus. Home Alone 3. What do we know about it? Uh, it involves a mistake at an airport. I saw it, I think, in theaters. What about Have you? Have you seen Home Alone 3? <laughs> Dumb. I've been saying for weeks to Morgan, 
when we decided to do Home Alone 2. The question is always hung above our head. Everybody always talks about Home Alone 1 and 2 at Christmas. What, I, what does Home Alone 3 even look like? This is a film that I've never heard anybody talk about, anyone even consider. Something I just know exists by seeing it on a Coles shelf as a child. Seeing the Home Alone 1, yes. 2, 3, and 4 sitting on a shelf. As a child, when I saw Home Alone 3 was coming out, mm. I had no desire to see it. And when I finally did see it, because one of my siblings wanted to see it, so my, my parents were like, we're, we're all going to go see it. It's the family mm. movie. Mm-hmm. I so hate all it. five of you guys, all seven wow. of you went to see it. Yeah. <laughs> I put on Home Alone 3 this morning. Oh, why? Do you remember how Home Alone 3 opens? No. Hong Kong Bay airport. Nope. (laughs) Hong Kong Bay. Little text like a fucking spy movie. (laughs) Cut to a (laughs) warehouse. Crates are being shipped and ominous men in suits going, we must have the missile guidance system by the end of the week. I've dispatched my four, my four most talented units to get it. Bang. Cut to a fucking back alley arms deal. Four German terrorists. Or someone Eastern European terrorist, get out the car. Talk to an American guy. Do you have it for us? I, uh, b- bear in mind, <laughs> the only thing that's happened before this is just the title Home Alone 3. <laughs> it's like a little, like a little magnifying glass in some houses. They stick this, these German terrorists stick They're this. Like, We've seen Mission Impossible. We know what the kids want. <laughs> the year after, the year after Mission Impossible 1, this is. John Hughes may fully well have been like, I think I got that Home Alone 3 finally. I think I got that idea right now. They (laughs) stick this missile guidance microchip in a toy RC car. They run through, they go through, they're going through the, the, the airport, San Francisco airport. The bags get swapped. Some old lady with sourdough bread picks up this RC car. The, a, a Home Alone-esque chase through the airport. Meanwhile, this is this is five minutes. I'm grinning. I'm like, I don't know what I thought Home Alone 3 was going to be, but it was not this. And I'm here for it. <laughs> is this your way of saying that next year we've got to get the gang together and watch Home Alone 3? No, no, no. This, this is, is the Home Alone the 2 plus figure. 3 episode. I want to say on record, <laughs> this is a good movie. I watched all of Home Alone 3 going, <laughs> this is lit. This is, this is, I think, the first true sequel to Home Alone. Because Home Alone 2, as again, we've just I discussed. Never... It's, it's great. Home Alone 2, it's fun. It's lovable. It's got all those moments. It's got Macaulay. He's cool. He's a cute little boy. He's got those eyebrows that let you know mischief's afoot. But this was the first time I went, man. I'm watching a sequel to Home Alone, not just Home Alone New York DLC. And I and I don't know why more people don't at least watch this out of curiosity. Stephen Bannett, what do you have to say about this turn of events? The words I watched all of Home Alone 3 are words I never thought a grown man would say <laughs> in 2020. One. He's not a grown man, though. I may be the only 22-year-old who's put on Home Alone 3. Just all low. I just what I can't wait for is like 
What did you watch it on? Disney? I watched it on Disney Plus, is on yeah. Disney? Is it on Disney Plus? It was Your a terrible Disney scan, by the way. Like... The quality was not good, which which lets you know how no good. not how not beloved to... Home Alone 3 is. You need to get onto yeah, you gotta get onto uh you gotta get onto Team Deacons and be like, yo guys, track down track down whoever you know who did this because the scan's shit and James needs to go sort that out. You know, get in the DI suite and get a better scan. Anyway, <laughs> it's um, it's it's yeah. Can okay. I just say this? I'm just so glad that your Disney Plus Rex are now going to like blow up <laughs> with like Spy Kids four. I'm I'm talking <laughs> to my eight hey, listeners, my my 22 year old cohorts. If you throw on Home Alone three and just see what happens, just see what happens. See if I'm bugging or not, but I am. I am now going to staunchly defend Home Alone three as the best Home Alone sequel. All right, and that's facts. It's on God. All right, Roger Ebert. I'm so glad you said that. I looked it up. Roger Ebert himself gave this three out of four stars. He was like, "I'm going to read you the quote because I I leapt out of my chair and I was like, yo, I'm on the right, I'm on the right side of keenography here." I think Stephen had something to say. Uh, I just asked. I wanted to know if wasn't Dom's hands weren't they already full with defending all of his uh, opinions about Bond? <laughs> <laughs> I think he had time for Home Alone three while he was running around just taking his shit on John uh, McHenry. <laughs> you so you say that, but no one's no one's come to attack the Bond opinions yet. <laughs> they haven't. Been, they've been easy to defend because no one cares. Just my wife. Every time I say, "Hey, I've got to watch another Bond," do you want to come? She's like, "No." <laughs> that's 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 <laughs> wow. I'm going to quote Roger Ebert's written review. <clears throat> Forgive the the possibly rushed Roger Ebert impression. Call me half-hearted, call me cynical, but please don't call me if they make Home Alone three. These words from my review of Home Alone two now have to be eaten. To my astonishment, I liked the third Home Alone movie better than the first two. I'm even going to go so far as to recommend it, although not to grown-ups unless they are having a very silly day. The first movie follows the exact same formula as the first two, but it is funnier and gentler, a real charmer for a hero, and provides splendid wish fulfillment and escapism for kids in, say, the lower grades. Aren't my words the words of Sir Roger Ebert Shout out to homie. I think, I think, I think, I think, I think this thing's got legs. I think this, this Home Alone 3 movement's got legs. What do you think about it, Steve? You know, I think as Ebert got older, his uh, opinions were less trustworthy when it came to movies. <laughs> I think this clearly, <laughs> clearly signifies that. Dom thought he was bringing this, these facts on this pod yeah. to be like, but guess what, guys? Home Alone 3 is a better sequel than this film, yep. what this podcast is about. But then <laughs> little did we know that the extra controversy of Stephen Van Elk coming in, <laughs> slamming the great Roger Ebert. Well, well, yeah, I was too scared to look up if, if Gene Siskel reviewed the movie. That man would have ate that shit alive. <laughs> Siskel would have ate that shit alive. Would have been like... It. I just want to know what... All I want to know now to pick to, to to cap this off is what Margaret and which one Margaret and David thought was better. Anyway, <laughs> get ready for that yeah, that report next year. We'll follow that bit up next Christmas in February. 
the great. I reckon Margaret would have given it four stars, and David would have given it zero stars. Anyway, to, that's my uh, to, to explain to Steve, Margaret and Margaret and David were our Australian Siskel and Ebert, and they were. Imagine if if they actually if Siskel and Ebert were a married couple. Ooh. Oh wow, that's the dynamic. Old and old. <laughs> no, were they just like fighting in what they wrote, or yeah? Like been working together for what? How long have they been to working together? Twenty years? No, no, no. But it'd just be like it'd be like they both. There were these great moments when they would disagree on a film, and it would just be like I can't believe. Like they'd have these whole passionate. Imagine if if there were two of me and we gave both sides of the uh, the Home Alone three I just gave, <laughs> and then another me saying the opposite, and then we just would go, <laughs> well. <laughs> your opinion <laughs> oh david that actually sounds amazing it was the best it was the best where are there was this like video reviews or was it like writing like Siskel and Ebert? this was a television show. show it was like it was like siskel and ebert at the movies this was a television show on the abc you can find the you can find most of them i'm sure on youtube certain clips it was, I reckon you can jump on YouTube and find like Margaret and David best arguments yeah. or something. I reckon that if someone would have done that, someone would have done when, a super cut of their best. When did they start making the show? Well, they they did stuff, I think, on other yeah. TV networks or even just in print and stuff yeah. like years before yeah. that. So the fact that they were they were an established yeah. duo, film critic duo, before they yeah. made that series yeah. at the movies. Well, I just know that they the show finished in 2015. I need to know everything about it. And it was... Were they an established duo, like as film critics, and then they got married, or were they already married and then they? Started- oh no, they were never actually married. They were never actually married, but that was just the dynamic to a T. Yeah, like an old married couple. That was the dynamic. Yeah, would have been great if they were. That would have been. Can we ship that as that? Do you? Th- oh my God, Morgan. Do you think that there is? Do you think that there's David and Margaret fan fiction? <laughs> there has to be. Oh, probably. There has to 100%. be. I'm going to read some right 100%. now, and if it doesn't exist. Bust out the word processor. It's coming. <laughs> one, night, one night in cans. Oh, <laughs> David. In, and you mean in Khan? In Khan. One night in Khan. <laughs> I'm just going to real quick. Um, also one night. I also, I'd also read one night in cans. <laughs> <laughs> David, David or Margaret, if you are listening to this by any chance, this is not slander. Big fans. <laughs> Massive fans. All right. I think we should wrap this up. Uh, thank you so much, Stephen, for barely coming on this podcast. Thank you for extending. <laughs> thank you for taking our extended olive branch. Uh, what? You never heard what? that expression? To, to extend the olive branch? Well, you didn't come on. You didn't come on our podcast and fuck it up. Yeah. You could have. You could have come on the show and been like, "I didn't actually watch Home Alone. Suck my dick." <laughs> that was what I, I was actually expecting. That. <laughs> Why would I ever do that? I'm. I am a huge Down Down fan. Because you could have been playing Fortnite instead. <laughs> could have watched the first half and be like, fuck this. Uh, where can the internet find you, Stephen? Uh, you can find me at Stephen Van Elk, my name, everywhere. Or if uh, you want to listen to more of me talking, I have a podcast about wedding photography that's not really that much about wedding yeah. photography. It's more about like running a small business and making fun of people who do it poorly. But that's yeah. called Wedding Photo Hangover. <laughs> We love it. We've both been guests on it. I'm a listener. Um, Dom? Dom. Not a listener? I've listened. I listened to episodes that were not just the one I was on. 
<laughs> it was a good. No, I just didn't want to speak for. I just didn't want to speak for. Dom, I can't say I, I regularly I listen. Forgive me, but you know, a, it would be weird if you weren't a wedding photographer. <laughs> I'm more interested in Fortnite than wedding photography. Who would have thought it? Cons- also, considering you've never been to a wedding, so you, it's not been a very relatable content <laughs> still, for you. Yeah, still, I wasn't going to bring it up, Tom. I wasn't going to bring it no, up. No, it's 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 cool, bro. It's got to happen eventually. I have right. to get married well, myself um, one day, and so that that's like, imagine that the first wedding I ever have to go to is my own. All right, thanks everyone for listening to our third annual Christmas in February episode. Uh, we will be back uh, in a couple of weeks. We're going to do try and do fortnightly records this year. Until next time, thank you, Stephen, for coming on. My name is Morgan Roberts. My name is Dominic Fitzgerald. I stand home alone free.